Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. I always get um, a little emotional when people leave. I just have that thing and uh, uh, I feel a little bit like dad and the kids are going and and that's uh, an exciting and a painful kind of experience. One of the things that I have learned, and it's been a painful learn over years, is that you have a choice in life if you're going to pour yourself into people. And the choice is, are you going to pour yourself into people so you can hold them tight? Or are you going to pour yourself into people so you can send them far? And, and actually, it's the difference between building an earthly empire and leaving a godly legacy. And you can have that for free because that's got nothing to do with anything I'm going to say. But it's, it, it's, it's the difference between building an earthly empire and leaving a godly legacy. What would it look like if you were to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of kids who just went and did some amazing stuff, some of which you never, ever knew about, but you trusted God for? Isn't that incredible? Wouldn't that be great? That would be something to spend your life building into. I'd love it if you turn with me to John's Gospel and the chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, then uh, someone near to you will have one, steal theirs, or look over their shoulder uh, if they're kind of being a bit unfriendly, elbow them, and get them to share with you. Um, it maybe will come up on the screen, but tonight we're going to um, start a new series of teaching that we've called Last Words. We've called them last words. We're going to hang out for a bit in the upper room with Jesus and his guys, where Jesus gets to pour into these guys who are going to take on the whole of the rest of the ministry and work and calling of Jesus. There is a sense in which, a very real sense in which, all scripture is equal. The scriptures tell us in in Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed. The Greek word is the word theonustos. It comes from the very breath of God. It is the very breath of God. But there is a sense in which when you get to certain parts of scripture, it's, it's as if it's God's deep breath. As if suddenly you're on holy ground. As if God has something that he's got to download to you right here, right now. And when you get to the back end of John, that's exactly where we are. We're on holy ground. And it's as if Jesus is saying to his disciples, I know you're going to forget some stuff. Because I've seen you. I know it. I know exactly. (laughs) You're going to disagree about who was there at certain miraculous healings. You're not going to get the the, the situations right. Some of you will think it's a bloke. Some of you think it's a girl. And you won't be able to remember all the stuff. And it's going to be difficult for you. Some of you won't agree about the encounters. And you'll forget some of the encounters. And some of you are even going to forget which order the Beatitudes come in. I know that's going to be a deal for you. But this, but this, but this. I don't want you to forget this. If you forget everything else. This is the stuff. And then Jesus starts to talk. It's like discipleship boot camp. And what we're going to do is just camp out for the next few weeks on holy ground. And the reason we're going to do that is because we're disciples of Jesus. Aren't we? 
We're people uh, at different stages in our journey with different understandings of who Jesus is, but we're all trying somehow to follow Jesus Christ. To understand the things that he's saying, to do the things that he's doing, to somehow represent him in this world. So we're just going to hang out on holy ground with Jesus. Are you up for that? Twelve of you. Good. It's getting better. Are you up for that? A whoop. We suddenly got breakthrough. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's go to the scriptures and to John's gospel in chapter 13. And let's read together. John says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet, his whole body is clean, and you're clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We thank you for your presence here. We, we know that your presence is here, that your word tells us, our experience tells us, but we want to appropriate that presence so that we don't just leave this place the same. We've got no desire just to go through the motions of hearing another talk. We want to encounter Jesus. We want to encounter Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you come and in the most simple but profound of stories, would you re-educate our hearts so that we might walk with you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As many of you will know, I have four teenage daughters and there are a number of family traditions we have and one of them revolves around birthday time. If it's anyone's birthday, 
everyone gets into our bed at about six o'clock in the morning. Now, that used to be cute when they were about this big. We've now had to reinforce the bed on all sides, and it becomes sort of argy-bargy, but it's, it's great fun. We absolutely love it. Everyone piles into bed, and uh, we all sing happy birthday, and everyone gives presents to everybody else, and it's a joyous, joyous occasion. And, uh, and but, you know, it's a bit like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Have you ever seen that movie? You know, you've got grandpas and grandpas and grandpas and people and everyone else and just enjoying birthday. And on one occasion, it was about four years ago, it was Lydia's, my oldest daughter's, 16th birthday. She arrives in our bed putting on the birthday hat, which is another tradition we don't need to go into right now. Um, And she announces on her 16th birthday, Dad, I'm old enough to get married, legally have sex, drive a tractor and trade in scrap metal. Just like that. Quickly, I grab my iPhone and I Google 16, age of consent. I counter with, you're also old enough to get a job paying minimum wage, pay national insurance, move out and join the armed forces. Uh Uh-huh. And now we're both scared. (laughs) Both of us. Some of the most um, formative moments in my life arose from contexts where I'm both excited about potential and scared to death about the reality. You ever experienced that? You're really excited about the potential, but you're scared to death about the reality. I think that's what the disciples are thinking right now. I mean, wow, this is amazing. We are the disciples of Jesus. We're his busy mates. He's going to hand the whole thing on to us. He's been training us in this business. We get to heal the sick. We see the deaf here. We see the lame walk. We get to teach on Jesus' behalf. This is incredible stuff. We're the, we're the dudes. We're the guys. And Jesus starts talking about his death. That's enough to freak anybody out. Because we're only the guys when he's around. And he's going and he's doing something else. And it's all very, very, very scary. And that's how they're feeling right now. And they're celebrating Passover. And as Jesus is reminded of the lamb sacrifice so that the firstborn wouldn't die and smeared the blood over the doorposts of the house, every Jewish person would understand that story incredibly well. Jesus starts to speak. He knew that the time had come for him to leave them and go to the Father. He now showed them the full extent of his love. Wow. What's that been? The full extent of his love. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knew who he was. He knew what was his due. He knew where he was going. He knew everything that he had. He was the Son of God. And he now showed them the full extent of his love. And what John has done is he's taken two Greek words and he's co-joined them in an incredible way. He's taken the word ice and the word telos. And uh, moving towards and end, the end goal, the end aim. And he says, This is the thing. This is the end goal of all of it. This is the end game of all of it. This is the aim of all of it. I'm going to show you the full extent of my love. And there's a hush silence in the room. Because everyone wants to hear this. His disciples want to know because because this is the big deal. This is it for them. 
Because they, they know also because they've been walking with Jesus the way in which he works with them. And he knows that if it's the end game for Jesus, it's the end game for them as well. Because they're disciples, they're going to do the things that Jesus does. Jesus even reiterates that in verse 12. He says to them, have you seen what I've been doing? Because you're going to do the things that I did. You make sure you follow exactly the way I... This is incredible. What does he do? What would you do? I mean, really, if you were God... And you knew that you had limited time, and you knew you had unlimited power, and you knew you needed to demonstrate to these guys who you were and what it was all about. What would you do if only I had been there to advise Jesus? We could have done something really spectacular. I mean, I don't know about you, but I I would have done some kind of creative miracle. I probably would have done a raising from the dead. I'd have done maybe three or four things all at the same time so no one would ever doubt ever again that I was God and they had power and it was going to be incredible. And Jesus takes off his outer garment, wraps an ordinary towel around his waist, pours ordinary water into a bowl and washes his disciples' feet and it's just so disappointing isn't it I mean really we read it and think that's really good that's great what a great thing but actually if you'd have been there you'd think that's so disappointing why would you do that feet I mean feet I mean they are the ugliest thing there are many ugly appendages people have on their bodies I can't believe I just said that (laughs) But feet, really, ugly things, and your feet are probably clean, some of yours. Mine are, I washed, but almost no feet were clean back in the day. I mean, if you walk the streets of of, of Israel, Palestine, in, in the summer... It would be dry and dusty and your feet would just be claggy. In the, in the winter it would be like a quagmire and always it was the sewer. So your feet were dirty, filthy and the, and the worst job possible was cleaning the feet. And you had to have your feet clean when you walked into a house. And it was the job that the lowest slave would have. Not a, not a Jewish slave. That would be beneath a Jewish slave. It would be a Gentile slave. They would clean the feet. It wasn't something you wanted to do. It was like toilet cleaning duty. It was filthy. It was disgusting. It was scum. And Jesus now, and these guys weren't even worthy. We're not talking VIP guests. We're talking Peter, frequently wrong but never in doubt. We're talking James and John, anger at management issues, always at each other's throat. They got, uh, you know, entitlement issues. We're talking Judas, verse two, who Jesus knew was going to betray him, and he stoops, and he stops, and he washes his disciples feet it's also disappointing but what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to say to these guys I want you to get this indelibly printed in your heart that it's all about love it's all about love it's all about this kind of love I'm not a hater I'm a lover I didn't come into this world to condemn the world I came into this world to save this world and to free this world 
I don't hate on people. I love people. Of course, I'm a God of justice, but it's always loving justice. Of course, I'm, I'm a God of truth, but it's always loving truth. My DNA is love, and this is the way I operate. This is it. This is how it happens. This is how the world is going to be transformed through the love and grace of God. This is it. You know, I'm, I stand here today because God loves me. I'm here today because God has forgiven me so much. I'm here today because God has healed my heart so much. Do you know, the communities in Edinburgh need to know the love of God, not the judgment of God. The gay community in Edinburgh needs to know that God loves them. Doesn't need to know that God hates them and the people of God judge them. The Muslim community in Edinburgh needs to know there is a God in heaven who loves them and God's people will love them as well. The rich people in Edinburgh need to know that there is a God in heaven who loves them and there are God's people will not condemn them for being rich. The poor people in Edinburgh and the addicts in Edinburgh and the homeless people in Edinburgh, they will never come to know the love of God unless they see the love of God expressed by the people of God with the hands of God. That's how it's going to happen. And that's why Jesus does this. Love does. It doesn't just talk or preach. It's not a theory or a philosophy, but an action and a demonstration. That's so important for us to get here. Listen, listen very carefully to this. It's so important because the gap between knowledge and action is fundamentally bigger than the gap between ignorance and knowledge. Let me say that again. The gap between knowledge and action is fundamentally bigger than the gap between ignorance and knowledge. But we spend most of our time acting as if the opposite was true. Don't we? Talking about things, preaching about things, working things out, reasoning things, and if God thinks this, and why should I think that, and talking about what we're going to do. But actually what God is saying is, would you flipping get out there? And would you love people? And would you, I don't care whether you've got your theology quite right yet. I don't care whether you've worked out you know, all, all this trinity stuff. I don't really care whether, whether you're the more sound people than the people up the road are sound. I don't really care whether you teach the Bible in a deeper way than the other people teach the Bible. What I really care about is that the people that I love in this world and I'm wanting to love in this world are loved by the people of God whom I love in this world. That's what I really care about. I really care about a demonstration of the love of God. That's what I'm trying to do in this world. Love does. Love stops. Love stoops. Love cares. And then listen, it's, it's not love if it's only demonstrated to the convenient and the compliant. Just, it's, I mean, it is love, but it's a different kind of love. It's not love if it's just demonstrated to the convenient and the compliant and the acceptable and the respectable and the people that you like already and the people you want to have around already because that's just transactional love. That's if I love you, you'll love me back and we'll have a lovely love in life. But the covenant love of God stoops for people who do not deserve it, stoops for people who smell just a little bit, stoops for people who are not just like you, stoops for people who you really shouldn't have the time of day for, and they probably shouldn't have the time of day for you either, but loves and loves and loves and loves because that's the love of God. It just does. Do you know, I'm going to get into trouble for saying this personally, because... Um, Actually, if you never heard another sermon for a whole year, 
that told you any new light bulb kairos moment about God. If you never have another new thought, if you never read another Christian book, if you never had another idea about God, you already know enough to be dangerous with love. If you've been a Christian 10 minutes, you already know enough to be dangerous with the love of God. You just do something. I love books. I love books so much. I'm a complete addict for books. The Christian aid book sale comes around every year, and I try and get as many cheap books as possible. I don't even care what they say inside. I just love the look of books. I love the smell of books. I love books. I joke sometimes, if there was a nuclear winter that came to Edinburgh, as long as my my, my house, 38 Morningside Grove, was somehow sealed against radiation, I could live there for the rest of my life, read every single book, and not exhaust it. I don't need any new books. I've got more than enough knowledge. The scriptures say this. His divine, this is Peter, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. We don't need any more information. We just need divine application of the information that we already know. If we spend the next year just loving people, just stooping for people, just stopping for people, just sharing with people, just caring for people, then I tell you what, kids will be fostered. Female sex workers would know that God loves them. Stressed business people would know there is hope in this world. Politicians would know that there are people out there praying for them. Homeless, homeless people would know that there's hope in this world. Addicts would know there, is, there are reasons that they can get off their addiction because the power of God is incredible. Kids who need parenting will be parented. Lonely, elderly people who are shut up in their homes will be visited. And there will be a viral epidemic of the love of God mediated by the people of God in the power of the spirit in the city of Edinburgh and everything would be changed and I wouldn't be out of a job because I wouldn't be able to preach anymore but that would be okay because Edinburgh would be changed I just preach to the guys that you're bringing in about the love of God can I get a, a little amen half a one you're really responsive this evening thank you so much I've got an idea why don't we just why don't we practice no let's not do that <laughs> love does And the second thought is this. It's very, very simple this evening. The second thought is this. Love flows. In other words, you can't give what you haven't got. You can't give what you haven't got. In in order to give Jesus love, the disciples need to receive Jesus' love. This is huge. This is huge. I think Jesus is clarifying things. Look, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I got the strategy, love. I'm trying to demonstrate it to you, but what you need to understand is this. If this love is ever going to be released in your hearts and through your lives and through your hands, you've got to let me wash you first. You've got to let me fill you first. You've got to let me love you First, it's not going to happen until you have an encounter, a touch with the king. Why is that true? That's so true because, because my love is not enough. And if you know me, you know that's true. My love isn't perfect. My love isn't patient enough. My love isn't kind enough. My love will give up. My love is not eternal. My, my, my love is prejudicial. There are some people that I'm going to love and some people that I'm not going to love. I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. I will be one day when I get to heaven, but I'm not. There are some of you that I really, really, really want to hang out with. And some of you, there's going to be a struggle for me to do so. It's just the way in which I'm wired. I'm not perfect, but he is. And his love is perfect and his love is kind and his love is patient and his love is understanding and his love is healing and his love is 
eternal. So I just get to be a conduit of the love of God. I just get to channel the love of God, but I can't do that unless I've experienced the love of God. Does that make sense? So love flows. Love flows. It's not my love. The best part of me is Jesus. Everything else is pretty messed up and pretty sinful, but the best part of me is Jesus. And when I get to flow with the love of Jesus and touch people in the power of Jesus with the love of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. You don't want my love, and you don't want yesterday's love. You don't want stale love. They don't need love that came 10 years ago when you had a touch from God or love that came five months ago when you last had a touch from God or love that came last week when you came to church and you had a touch from God. They need fresh love that comes as a fresh touch from God. That's why you need to be washed. That's why you need an encounter with Jesus. And so Jesus comes to Peter, verse 6, and he says, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter is offended by Jesus. I think I would be. Peter says it should be the other way around. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the servant, you're the, you're the master. How's, how's this going to be? And, and, and Jesus, Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. It's very typically Peter. He's kind of extroverting everything. You know, most of you are much kinder. Or you wouldn't say it out loud. You would just think it in your heart so you're not washing my feet. But Peter just says, no, to the king of kings and the lord of lords. Idiot. What would you do that for? Now everyone knows it's going to get in the Bible. Everyone's going to think bad things about you. <laughs> you know? No. You shall never wash my feet. In my experience, there are two kinds of people I find quite difficult to deal with. I said this morning, and I'm not going to go back on it. There are lots of kinds of people I find quite difficult in life, really. But there are two kinds of people I find particularly difficult. There are those people who are always on the take. You know those people. You know, they, they always want something from you. They come to speak to you as if they want a conversation with you, but you know they want something from you. They always want something from you. They're very slow on the draw when it comes to their round. In the, you know what I mean? Those, they've always got a 50-pound note that can't be broken. I'm so sorry. You know, all that kind of stuff. They're just never, ever giving. They're always taking. That's awful, isn't it? But I tell you who I, I find difficult as well. Those people who are always on the give. Do you know? They just want to give you stuff. I want to give you. I want to bless you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. And you, and you basically want to say, well, I want, can, I, can I buy? No, 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 not for me. No, this is me, it's on me, this is my treat. No, 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 no. no, no. And they, all, they never will receive anything from you. And you run around chasing them with a 10-pound note. You know those kind of people? You're trying to stick it in their back pocket or in their handbag or whatever it is because they're always paying for everything. Both, both actually are just forms of pride. Forms of self. Jesus says, unless you let me wash you, Unless you let me love you, unless me, you let me pour my love into your life, you have no part with me. Do you know there are verses of scripture that scare me stupid? There's a verse in, in the scriptures that, that says, you say you know me and you say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I never knew you. That scares me. But this verse... Unless you let me wash you, you have no part with me. 
The transformation I want to do through you, I first have to do in you or I can't do the transformation at all. Let me wash your feet. And Peter, because he's so Peter, I love Peter. He's an all or nothing guy. He's all in or he's all out. He says, give me a bath then. I'm all in. Jacuzzi me up, Jesus. And he's just, you know, bring it on. Everything. Bring on the bubble bath stuff, the whole thing. I'm in. Jesus says, you're clean. You're clean, I think. But let me wash your feet. Guys, as you walk through this life, As you attempt to be apprenticed by Jesus, you're going to follow hard after him. You're going to get dirty. There's going to be stuff that comes out. You're going to need forgiveness. You're going to need washing. And if you're going to offer forgiveness and healing, you've got to receive forgiveness and healing. If you're going to offer people a clean slate, you've got to receive a clean slate. Let him wash you. Just stop for a second. Jesus says, what I want you to be in this world, and what I want you to be about in this world is loving. That's it. I want you to be stopping, and I want you to be serving, and I want you to be stooping, and I want you to represent me. I want you to take the lowest place. That's your job. That's what the church is all about. We're not about gather and teach and gather and teach and gather and teach and sing good songs. Well, that's good. I love that. You love that. That's why you're here. But the church is about gather and teach and go. Gather and teach and go, 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 go. Go love people. Go care for people. Go live the kingdom of God amongst people. Go heal people. Go see people saved. Go touch people. Go wash people. Go demonstrate the kingdom of God amongst people. Go do it. Go be a viral epidemic of love. That's what the church is all about. The model is Jesus. The focus is others. The posture is lower. The strategy is love. The time is now. The power is yours. How would you walk? And how would you talk? And how would you act? And how would you sacrifice? And how would you relate? And how would you leverage everything you've got if what I've just said is true? Jesus says, let me wash you.